Welcome to Working Dog Radio. Broadcasting the bite. Ready. All right. Hey, this is Cameron out here at HITS with Canines Talking Sense. This gets to be a fantastic episode where it's a mashup between this podcast and Working Dog Radio. I get to have both Eric and Ted here on Working Dog Radio mixed in with this podcast, and we're going to talk about tracking and some of the things that we've seen in tracking. But first, I want to introduce each of you guys. So, Ted, I'll let you kind of kick it off, and then we'll kick it over to Eric. I am Ted Stickles, if you follow me on Facebook. My actual name is Ted Summers. So um, I've actually gotten paperwork with Ted Stickles on it before. So (laughs) you can call me that, too. Uh, It's it's stuck around since high school, so uh, I'll take it. Uh, I co-own Torchlight Canine, co-own Torch, or, uh, HRD Police Canine, and co-own uh, Working Dog Radio. Uh, we used to own uh, Working Dog Dry Goods, and uh, Alicia has since sold it. Oh. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been uh, it's been a wild ride. I've been in canine for just over a decade. Uh, my partner and mentor is an old grumpy ass seventh group guy. Um, it's kind of like a older angry uncle <laughs> taught me a lot about what we're going to talk about today so yeah other than that i'm just the i'm just the podcast host <laughs> so you've been staying busy out there uh, <laughs> yeah you know, with, with with yourself over there at uh, your business and and uh working with a lot of the different agencies and from yep. your area for sure and then now that we have mr eric over here retired oh, so yeah. to speak yeah, sort of, yeah. <laughs> i think you're busier now than you actually were when you were doing it yeah it's different busy but it's fun uh, less, uh, there's, there's still the stress, stress of, of the overhead, but there's, uh, blood pressure, you know, less blood pressure and that type of thing working for myself. So, mm-hmm. but anyways, I'm Eric Stambro. I am the owner of Van S canine in Canton, Ohio, um, on the working dog radio podcast with Ted and co-owner of the, uh, HRD police canine with, uh, Ted, Alicia and our buddy Ray. So we travel around and do scenario-based training and things like that. And then I do pet dogs also and working dogs. So it's very busy. And yeah. I have a doggy daycare. Yeah, I would say seeing <laughs> your, your social media feed and how busy you stay doing all that stuff. is Yeah, yeah I don't know. You almost were better off staying, running around a patrol car, training <laughs> dog handlers yeah, all the time. Right. So, and, and for the audience, the, you know, uh, these guys have had me on their show and we've always stayed in uh, contact with each other throughout uh, the past, you know, couple of years now. Eric and I shared a uh, common uh, contract job that we had with the Navy, uh, working with the Navy SEAL program, and that kind of bonded us in the sense that we, we've been in that community, saw some of the things that we saw within that world, and got to, you know, take lessons we've learned there and apply them also uh, with helping and working with uh, the civilian sector. Um, and in those conversations, we've kind of worked into tracking. And uh, this podcast has had a lot of uh, discussions on detection and, and things like that. And I wanted to spend some time uh, opening the door up to search and rescue, tracking, and cadaver. So this episode, I wanted to get with uh, both Eric and Ted and kind of discuss some tracking. Now, Eric and I have had conversations, and I wanted to kind of bring that up now um, with regards to tracking. So, Eric, I'll kick it to you. We're kind of talk about what you've seen in the industry on law enforcement when it comes to tracking. And, you know, we know there's some big differences between the urban and rural aspects. So I kind of let you kind of cover some of that. Yeah, you know, so... Uh, before I retired, my full-time assignment at my police department was just training dogs. And um, the Police Canine Association, which is a 501c3 that I was the head trainer for, uh, has 
the Canton guys, and then which is an urban area, and then um, guys from a lot of rural sheriff's departments. So we track every training day we, we're doing tracking. And so now I have to mix it. I have, I have to do it both. I, the, a lot of the urban guys, we work them in rural settings and rural guys in urban settings and then kind of, you know, mm-hmm. mix it up. Um, tracking is a perishable skill for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the easiest thing for the handlers to really interfere with, like mm-hmm. really screw up. Yep. Um, me included. When I, was a, when I was a handler before, I, so I worked four dogs on the road. Um, the first two... I was a handler Mm -hmm. and then I became the trainer for the last two and um, I started realizing man I sucked like I sucked as I did everything wrong Mm -hmm. as a a handler Um, and uh, all the shit that I yell at dudes for and like want to horse whip them for that type of stuff but I now am in my opinion anyways and my results uh, prove it I am really good at training tracking dogs and we have a very high rate of success at the Canine Association. Um, one of the things that people would be surprised to learn is I didn't do a ton of hard surface tracking for our urban dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did some, I, I did more crossing, like crossing roads, like mm-hmm. going from a backyard grass, crossing a street, fishing that line out, mm-hmm. finding if the guy crossed the road or things like that. But I really taught odor pooling. Yeah. Wind. What yeah. does wind do? What? Yep. Do, where does it go? Pay yep. attention. Use your face. Feel the wind. Throw yep. the grass. All that stuff. Become a connoisseur of wind, so to mm-hmm. speak. And um, where the it pulls up on the curbs and it pulls up in the the fence line. And and sure, I did. I like doing the uh, the spray bottle. Not not send it up, but just a spray, water spray bottle and then scuff across and would hold it in there for a little bit. Um, and the guy could see, you know, if mm-hmm. we're trying to trying to work that way, but. Then my guys working Canton, inner city, we, I'm telling you, very little specific hard surface tracking, and we were destroying fools on tracks. Mm-hmm. We just got one the other night, a track with a bite from a stolen car or traffic stop or something. And uh, my guys on midnights especially. Like, my one guy, Ryan, had his first dog, 100, probably 175 bites when his dog retired. A mm-hmm. hundred of those were from tracks. Okay. Urban tracks. Because urban tracks, unless you're in... New York or, or here, it's going to be a mixture, backyards, yards, you know, grass. It just, it just oh, yeah. is a mixture. It's not yeah. straight, true urban. Yep. Not like L.A. or someplace like that, you know. So we kind of do the odor pooling, and it was really, really good success. And then urban, you know, is a, is a whole other ordeal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it brings up, and either one of you guys can answer this one, the great debate in the tracking world trailing versus tracking <laughs> so we have a dog in my local area that um we bred and raised and trained and sold him to a task force one team up in the st louis area um he kept biting evaluators so uh, fema kind of rounds on that so now he's a patrol dog but um he is probably one of the most successful tracking and or trailing dogs i've ever seen a lot of that comes down to the definition of what we're doing um, some dogs naturally will keep their head down and do footstep, footstep, track, 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 track. Other dogs will do the whole lift their head up and look and confirm everything else. I tend to fall back to 
kind of when I teach building search is the same way. Dogs hunt three ways, sight, sound, and smell, in order of difficulty. Mm -hmm. So sight is easiest, mm -hmm. smell, or you know, then sound, and then, and then odor, right? So mm -hmm. at its core, we're asking a dog to find human odor, which is always weird to me when a guy comes out and they're like, oh, he's really great at building searches, but he can't track. It's like, you don't track, dickhead. So mm -hmm. it, it's kind of, it's the same odor. And, you know, so whether it's a tracking or whether it's a trailing dog, to me is inconsequential. And to me, it is still, I think a dog has to have both skills. They mm -hmm. have to know how to do both. They should know how to do both because in certain environments, in certain environmental situations, a trail is going to be a much more efficient method of finding somebody than yep. having to have a fucking footstep to footstep. You've got to you know, count the footsteps <clears throat> of this dude. So at its core, our job is to find people. And yeah. so much of that has to do with handler input or lack of input, as Eric likes to say it, and letting them work. And, you know, we talk a lot, and I've heard you talk about it, about handlers reading dogs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I <laughs> yell at my handlers during detection school, right, that's why I make them use a 15-foot line. I'm like, tell me what you're seeing. Like, what change in behavior you're seeing, everything else. And during tracking, that is of an utmost importance. Like, how do we know when we're getting close? And like you said, it's a perishable skill. And, you know, dogs equate multiple successes over time just like they do with detection training so you get a badass dog that tracks really well with a handler that knows what he's doing and they've got multiple finds and successes the dog will fall back on previous successes in the forest so the last hundred times he's come to a road mm -hmm. and he's found odor and the dogs start to figure out well fuck i've always found it this way near a fence like yeah. we had a dog last month by to do they track down an alleyway hard surface track mm -hmm. Dog comes to a fence and is like, in the past, I know that I've got odor near a fence, go straight to the fence, start dragging the fence, finds a hole, nukes a dude on the other side of the hole. And so, but it is, it, it's like they learn the same way. It's the exact same principles at its fundamental um, base of teaching tracking that I use for detection. Yeah. So, or that I use, yeah, that I use for detection. You, you brought up something that was pretty funny. So as a cop, me and my best friend, and he had just got promoted to the canine sergeant, but we had been handlers together and trainers together and stuff like that. And we had gotten two new dogs. And our first dogs, we were training the typical footstep to footstep, food in each heel, perfect, you know, dirt fields, all that kind of stuff. And his new dog, that way he had a German Shepherd, nice dog, and, and mine was very similar. And then we get the, we got, we got a Malinois, and he got Dutch Shepherd. And the energy level, obviously, between the dogs that we had in the past and those dogs were very different. And the guy from Holland that brought the dogs to us, you know, showed us the way he kind of incorporated tracking, which was more article to article kind of concept, allowing the dog to do what it does. So my friend, he's a Tennessee country boy, you know, was very good with animals naturally. And he kind of looked at what we were doing in the past and that we had this new dog and he's on his own kind of doing things. He's like, hey, I think I got this figured out. Um, you know, I'm doing it this way. I'm kind of doing the article thing more so than I'm doing the footstep to footstep thing. I'm like, dude, you're going to miss turns. You're going to do all this kind of stuff. He goes, He's like, I, I just think it's a bunch of shit. I think that, you know, the dog knows what's best to do. Why am I going to get in his way and make yes. him do something? <laughs> he goes, and I'm like, I don't know. I think you need to, you know, be more precise. And he goes, how about this? You go off. Let's just pretend we got a perimeter right now. And he gave me some street names. He goes, you can go wherever you want in this, in this block and I'll go find you. So I lay this elaborate track. I go down a roadway. I go behind a business. This business happened to have a koi pond behind it with a bridge. I go over the bridge and I jump the fence and I ended up in a spot where I could kind of see uh, where he started from anyway. So I, you know, we let our time go by and business back we had Nextel. So I hit him on the Nextel. Okay, I'm in place. So he's like, all right. And I see him start like 10 minutes later. So he starts his track and I see him take off the general direction I went. 
and then maybe five minutes later, I hear this crushing through the, the bushes and it's kind of behind me. I see him and he comes up and he's like, ah, I got you, bitch. And I was like, ha ha, you missed half the track because I didn't go that way. He goes, what the fuck do I care about half the track? I found you. That's my job. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and I kind of had the realization of, damn, he's right. The, you know, he goes, I said, but what about the articles I put out? He goes, I don't care. My first job is putting you in jail if you're, you're my criminal and I'm looking for you. He goes, if I need to go find the evidence later on, I'll go find the evidence later on. He's like, you know that. And I was like, damn, he's kind of right. Mm, yeah. So that was my enlightening moment going from being so precision, precise, going from the sport world, because that was the guy that trained us, had a, a heavy sporting background. And though that tracking is is good for the points and things like that, it wasn't practical for what we did. And then now that we had been on, you know, he had a little bit more experience than I did, but being on the road a little bit longer, kind of knew, hey, I need my dog to use whatever is best for it. And when he started the track, what had happened was the dog caught the airborne scent of me broke from the track and just drug him through the woods. And, and that's exactly what, at the end of the day, if you're, you know, you've got to find somebody, that dog should use the best resources to it. So, you, Ted, your example there hit home on that fact that you said that. I was like, oh, yeah, I got that story. Mm -hmm. But I know, Eric, you know, being in where you're at, uh, where you came from, that had to be a, a common thing to deal with, which was dealing with, you know, that environment. You couldn't always go where the person went. Right. I, um, and I, I, I agree with Ted. Uh, I believe it's a combination of tra of tracking and, mm -hmm. and trailing. If I am, when I start training a tracking dog, I'm training just tracking as best as I can get the dog to do it. Um, and then once I, I find that once I start doing area searches mm -hmm. for, for bad guys, the trailing starts to come and then the dog starts util utilizing yeah. both. And yeah. so years ago when I was just a handler in my first handler school, we, we took a trip to DC um, to hang out with the DC canine guys. Mm -hmm. And um, we were at the Pentagon on a Saturday or Sunday, and we met a guy who's a security guard there, and he was a uh, bloodhound guy, mm -hmm. and wrote an article that was on um, the USPCA website. Like, this is 2005, so okay. it had been on the website since like 2000. And it was on the front page of the website, and it was about... Uh, reading negatives on your dog okay mm -hmm. so the dog telling you where the guy is not yeah yep. so I, so I was reading that I was like oh man that's really cool but yeah. one of the things he talks about in the thing which isn't a negative mm -hmm. in his article is your dog so you're going along you're going northbound and your dog keeps going and he picks his head up and looks to the west and mm -hmm. then goes back down picks his head up and looks to the west again and looks to the west again and you can kind of tell the wind is coming from that direction a little mm -hmm. bit your guy went left. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> At some point. At some point he went left or your, yep. your, your perimeter dude's right there. Yeah. So it is absolutely, but you got to know how to read that and you got to, you got to be able to see that. And, um, the other big mistake that guys make too, is their dog is tracking just cause his nose is not buried in the grass. Yeah. Especially high grass. He doesn't need to be. No. Just go with it. We want him to find the human odor. The human odor isn't always on the ground. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Uh, especially in higher grass, um, and things like that. But the dog, it, it is a combination. Mm -hmm. it, it absolutely. And I, I'm telling you, I am uh, disturbed earth, food. Mm -hmm. I don't do, mm -hmm. when I even when I start, I don't do every single footstep. Mm -hmm. I'm about every couple. Mm -hmm. But um, it's still just, I'm trying to teach this dog to track human odor. Mm -hmm. They know how to track. Yes. They, will, they have that natural ability to hunt. Right. Yeah. So I'm just teaching them what to hunt. Yep. The, that that this odor is permissible, yep. you know, to, to follow, and um, so yeah, it's definitely both. 
it, in the urban environment, it's a lot of, tra- I mean, you're going to track and turn into mm-hmm. an area search if you got a good perimeter. Yeah. We're tracking up into a series of backyards. You got it. We're going to say yard to yard. Just get that, get yep. that line out there and yep. hunt this fucker down, man. Yep. Let the dog. We just do did that. Thing. The episode we just uploaded with Jake or with uh, Jack Shanley from LAPD. He was a canine handler, but then mm-hmm. became he was a tactical air advisor and then a pilot. Mm-hmm. And his stories about tracking people. And his deal is like he literally wrote the book on high on uh, perimeter and containment and like apprehending fleeing suspects. And his stories are fucking crazy about like people hiding in weird spots and not mm-hmm. people not trusting the dogs. And then all of a sudden you start using the dog and I mean, it's, oh, yeah. and the handlers are like, and as a handler, this is something too. If you should, you're probably never the first one there, but you show up and this happened to my guys quite often. And the, the information you're given from the primary is not always correct. No. And the dog, <laughs> Many times, it, it, it's not, not always correct. If yeah. your dog, if your dog is, good and you are good and you have a ton of success tracking and they're like he went this way and the dog says no i went this the mm-hmm. d- listen to the fucking dog don't listen yep. to them and you can get yourself into some trouble doing that yep. um we've had we i have multiple stories of my guys showing up and they're like oh he went to the east and the dog goes west and he's mm-hmm. like all right well are you sure or what <laughs> like, yeah. so yeah no i can't tell you how many times you know we've been out on a perimeter doing whatever and we're on our way walking back and sure enough the dog pulls off and the handler's like, um, hold on a second. And 10 feet, 20 feet from right. where we started from, uh, because the initial information given by the first responding officer was, oh, he ran this way. Yeah. So we deploy the dog. Dog's casting around. And we're, you know, kind of like you said a second ago, going yard to yard, checking mm-hmm. things. The dog's not really showing much. But you're out there giving it a, a good college effort there. And on the way back, all of a sudden, boom, the dog pulls and drags you, like I said, 20 feet from the vehicle. And the guy's been sitting there the entire time. Yeah. And he right. can't go anywhere because you happen to be right where you parked. So they're stuck there and they don't know where you're at. But it, it, the biggest thing that we, that we always talked about was trust the dog. You know, let the dog thing. And the thing you brought up a minute ago about the negatives is would, we would be given information. Hey, he ran this way. And sometimes it's solid, but other times, even when it was pretty solid, we would still cast the dog kind of around just to see if there was anything that they would be, boom, take off to. Mm-hmm. Um, because we just knew, as we talked about, you know, because when you talk to the officer later on, they would be like, well, I saw him go that way, but then I turned around to go back to my car to grab this or whatever. And then, of course, the person backtracked on them and they don't know it. So the, our mentality was, okay, take the dog out cast it around kind of like in a larger circle just to see if we cut anything and if the person's information was right they usually dog would take off on the way but we didn't want to start exactly where he said just because we knew through lessons learned that wasn't the thing to do and another thing that you guys bring up is it was a funny conversation was we got a whole wrapped up in that label tracking and trailing and that same conversation i had with my friend that night he goes because i said his dog i said well his head was up and he was doing he's like you know tracking trailing i don't give a fuck what you call it it's manhunting at the end of the day i'm hunting somebody down he goes so i don't want to get told i have to do this or have to do that the dog will dictate what that is but what takes me to this next question is the handler bias part oh mm-hmm. eric so has some- i was to say yeah. i know eric you have a uh, some things that you talk about but i talk about handler bias a ton in detection dogs oh, yeah. and how our perception or what we think we're going to go search is directly has a, a chance to influence what that dog does and tracking is no different in the sense that a bias can directly drastically affect a a how a dog works on a track so uh, go ahead with that one eric yeah um 
the handlers, uh, the human beings, are, are the problem with the tracking. Um, I have a buddy down in Cincinnati, PD. He will, he will if you keep if you keep trying to outguess your dog and think that you're the important part of the thing, he will tie a uh, a tire to the leash and tell your dog to track. And you stand there and watch your dog do a beautiful fucking track. Oh, you yeah. stand there. You're just the tire. That's it, dude. <laughs> so, the tire. But oh, we have. Um, you know, handlers want to outthink the dog. And again, like I said, I did a lot of that, man. I, did, I didn't have a ton of successes with my first dog comparatively to everybody else. Um, I remember training one of my guys and it's, it was a uh, class with just him and it was a replacement dog. And I, I had a long track, like mm -hmm. a mile and a half, two mile track. And I go up on this hill where I can see him mm -hmm. and I'm watching him track and the dog's tracking because mm -hmm. I came around from a kind of a, a, a tight into a big open field. Mm -hmm. And I went diagonally right in the biggest part of the field. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I had done the track before and, and hugged a tree line and everything. So the dog's tracking and the handler's looking over, looking, looking around, looking mm -hmm. in the neighborhood. And he's, <laughs> he is trying to fuck this thing. But mm -hmm. what he's not doing, what he's not paying attention to, his dog's tracking. Yeah. Right where I went. And I see the handler <clears throat> literally look at his dog shrug his shoulders and just go with him that was a such a turning point for that dude in his in his tracking career now he's got a, he's crushing people with tracking yeah but he just had to in theory close his eyes yeah because he was overthinking it mm -hmm. um but one of the things that um a real a case that happened my last year on the job um we had a, it was day shift and they had a homicide and they gave the description as a light skin or, or a white male mm -hmm. a white male running jumped a fence into a schoolyard and ran across the schoolyard. Um, so my handler, I didn't know anything that was going on. He, came, he called me after it was over and he was very frustrated. He said, everybody is killing it and tracking and I ain't getting shit and I'm not getting nothing. He's got a really good dog. So he tells me this story, he's tracking this person. It turns out to be a black, light-skinned black female. She murdered her husband. Um, but he tracks right to the fence, mm -hmm. the school fence. And he's like, there's no way she went over this. Uh, well, no way. <laughs> yeah. Because they would have called from the school because they were on recess. Uh -huh. They would have called if a guy, and they thought it was a guy, running yeah. through there with a gun. Mm -hmm. They would have called. But they didn't see him or they didn't call. Uh -huh. And so he keeps trying to cast left and right and left and the dog keeps going back to the same spot. The yeah. same spot. <laughs> he put the dog up. Because he's like, you're oh, fucking no. me. You're wrong. Yeah. He did not go yeah. over this fence. Well, Trust then they're the like, he, yeah, he, he did. He ran right through here, right, right over the fence, right through there. So then uh. they catch him. I think they catch him or whatever, but they're trying to figure out. Uh, they, somebody saw the girl walking by the hospital, and then they catch her without the gun. So he's going to go back with his dog and try to article search for the mm -hmm. gun. He gets up by the hospital. And he's like, there's no way she came this close to the school. No mm -hmm. way. They would call us. Mm -hmm. Who would do that? Yeah. They found the gun in the bushes next to the entry to the emergency room, <laughs> like five feet from the emergency room. So I'm like, okay, we got to take you out of the equation. Here. Yeah. You're, you have lost it. Mm -hmm. Like, um, so I came up with a, a thing for my guys and it's a, a, I make them, I do a straight track. It's not, nothing hard. And, um, and, and then I have them go around the corner. It's actually one of the few that I actually do bites on. Um, and I will have them, uh, put a blindfold on 
And as soon as the dog starts to track, and they can mm -hmm. see he's tracking, they pull the blindfold down. Now, you have to have a, a proctor with them because they'll mm -hmm. run right into a fucking tree yep. or <laughs> fall on a curb or whatever. Um, but what it, and every, when I came up and told everybody we we're going to do that, they were rolling their eyes at me because I'm like, Ted, we come up with some fucked up stuff <laughs> for training day. And they're like, now what? Yeah. So they're oh, rolling yeah. their eyes to, at me. But what happens is when they got done, they're like, that was one that I actually got a lot out of it because yeah. trainer or tra uh, handlers over time develop bad habits. Yep. They'll not stop when the dog stops. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things they do mistake wise. Mm -hmm. And when you're blindfolded, mm -hmm. you are back in the womb. Yep. Day two of training <laughs> day. You're like, fuck, I'm just going to follow this yeah, thing. That's all you can do. You close your, cause you'll see the guys are closing their, their eyes are closed. The dog stops mm -hmm. and they, What's what's happening? What's yeah. happening? And then they can tell when the dog gets right back on yeah. track. And they had no influence what, whatsoever, and uh, they loved it. And the dog's got a little bite. Then I also throw in a, a, a blue gun so they have to transition. Sure. Just a bunch of stuff like yeah. that. But it's a neat little for if you're listening. It's a neat little thing to try um, with your guys, and it does take them all the way back to their beginning roots, and they they actually handle the leash correctly. I was to say you learn how to feel mm -hmm. because you're taking away your sight. Yep. So you learn how to feel that dog through the leash and feel when they're on something and when they're off something versus trying to manipulate it. And so often because we come into it, like you said, with some kind of information or we think we know the area or whatever yeah. the thing is uh, that dictates, well, we know better than the dog. And so many times it is so far from the truth. That's why you have that sensor there. That's why you have that, that, that animal who's far more proficient at, mm. at hunting than you ever are. Um, and again, it falls back to trust your dog. And on the trust your dog thing, uh, one of the things we used to laugh at you know, one of our neighboring agencies, we used to call them the hotspot chasers because whenever the helicopter was up, they would start orbiting. Okay, we have a hotspot in this area and the, their dog would probably be on a good track. And then the, the uh, flight advisor would say, hey, you know, I have a hotspot, you know, at your two o'clock position. And the guys would pull their dogs and go to the hotspot. Turns out it's a manhole cover. Turns out it's a hot, it's a rock that's still giving off heat uh. in, in the woods. And this is in, in Florida where, you know, it gets hot and muggy all the time. So you'd have heat, residual heat from an object all day long. And now it's in the evening and it's getting out there. So it got to the point, you know, whenever uh, the guys I worked with would hear that information, they'd come back. Unless you have arms and legs, we're following the dog. So mm -hmm. unless they could see yeah, some kind of arms right. and legs in that hotspot, they're not deviating off of what their dog's telling them. Um, but a lot of us wanted to, you know, and I say a lot of us, I say meaning us as handlers want to get success. We want to find something. We want to close that, you know, make that catch. And we get, you know, uh, influenced by that helicopter or that radio. Oh, I hear something in the woods over here. And then you stop trusting that dog and go off. So we have a, a I have a friend down in Texas, South Texas. Uh, the department has a helicopter and they had a, a bank robbery suspect that they had been chasing. And they were chasing him from two directions. They chased him into a, uh, a neighborhood that was being built, like the McMansions. The houses were all not done yet, or most of them were done, but there was nobody really living there. So a county had chased him in from one side, and, and helicopter had seen him run into this house, and they had been there, and they knew he hadn't. They'd gone in, and there was nobody living in the house. Mm -hmm. So they went in with, like, ten people and couldn't find this dude. Mm -hmm. And the helicopter's like, he has not come out of the house. Like, he is in the house. So they call the dog. Dog comes in, and... There's a fucking sergeant there who is like, okay, we need to find the dog. So, or we need to find this guy. You know, yeah. he's in here. The helicopter says he hasn't left. They're no, they know he's in the house. There's no mm -hmm. basement. They've checked mm -hmm. the attic. 
So they're doing a search, second floor, the dog starts alerting on a light switch. Mm-hmm. And the sergeant's like, your dog's stupid. He thinks he's looking for drugs and this, that, and the other. And the handler's like, no. Like, and he tells him again, like he pulls him back and he sends the dog into the room again. The dog goes over and starts fucking up the drywall. And uh-huh. the handler's like, he's in the wall. Uh-huh. And they're like, there's no way this guy's in the wall. So it turns out in the bedroom next door, it was like the master bedroom. It has all these huge fucking walk-in closets. And the cabinets were mounted, like they had these big cabinets in this closet. And the cabs were mounted. The dude had gotten in the cabinets and there was no drywall behind it. He had gotten uh-huh. in between the wall and the light switch was right at his knee. <laughs> the dog was sniffing at the light switch and they yeah. were like and they ended up having to fucking cut this guy out of the drywall fuck this house all up but still I mean even not just the handler trusting but, but like other guys there they're sure. like oh there's no way the dog's right until he bites somebody and yeah. I mean oh, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, that the guys should shut up because they they love watching the dog bite somebody so give them a chance man shut, shut the fuck up man let your guy do it oh, yeah. you like seeing it, it so yeah. why ruin it stand there yeah <laughs> The so for those that are I would say fairly new in their career, they've only been out there a little bit, or they're in an area where it's not as um, active, where they're able to get uh, enough tracking calls. So in the meantime, what are some of the things? Are like how would you? What's some information you give somebody that? Here's some things to work on to learn how to start a track to things because of course the biggest thing is a police officer. Even if you're in search and rescue, looking to start like what is something you can do that helps you begin to that process, that starting process? Start as far as training a dog to track or, it, it tra- or yeah, so go from like how you would apply the training to then what you're going to do when you have that actual call, how right. those two pieces can meld together. Okay. Um, the, uh, I, I do like when you're talking about, um, casting to get the start, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. have got to be, um, you can't have a, you should not be seeing your knuckles mm-hmm. on your leash. You mm-hmm. gotta have, you gotta learn to have soft hands. Mm-hmm. You should really try your best in training wise to track with one hand. Mm-hmm. Get used to, um, because you're gonna have to, you should be climbing up that leash when your dog stops and get rid of all that mm-hmm. loose leash because he's gonna turn and go and you're gonna bang him yep. and you're going to correct him off of a hot track mm-hmm. and ruin it. Yeah. So the key is be ready cops are OCD we got to get out we have to our gloves and we have to strap them exactly mm-hmm. the same <laughs> left to the right this yeah. this everything. Uh, you remember that kid in Philly oh yeah oh my god a SWAT guy and he was like yeah you could tell he had a mental checklist with 9,000 fucking boxes on it yeah <laughs> so you had to get you have to get everything right ready to go mm-hmm. and then um, then you start and you're not ready and then you bang the dog on the leash you got to be ready to go the biggest thing is this too you're going to get out to to start a track at a place. You are not a cowboy. Mm-hmm. Throw all that fucking leash out the back. Yeah. That you do not carry your don't carry your leash around in a big lasso. Mm-hmm. As soon as you get oh out of the God. car and yeah. have that dog hooked up mm-hmm. and get to an area maybe away from your tire and away from the throw the leash out there cuz mm-hmm. what if your dog gets it right there yep. and starts mm-hmm. you're going to fuck them. You're mm-hmm. going to blow the track. Mm-hmm. Be ready when you Put that little clip in your thumb, getting ready to clip it on your. Be ready to track. Yep. And um, and then you gotta you gotta climb up and down the leash, up and down. When that mm-hmm. dog stops and that leash goes goes loose, throw all that shit out the back. And yep. I'm not talking pull it. You're not yep. climbing. Just zip it through your hands uh-huh. and move up and 
The other big thing that guys do is shut the fuck up. Yeah. If your dog is tracking, stop telling Talking. him track. Yes. Good boy. I agree with that one big time. <laughs> it's the same thing in detection. I'll hear him go, Sook, 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 Sook. Oh, I'm my like, God. You're, you're good. You told him once. I yeah. think he's got it. He does. He's, you, sound yeah. like Char- you sound like the pre-teacher from Charlie Brown. Shut yeah. the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, one of the things that my guys do is because I let them work nights. So I'll give you two exercises mm-hmm. that my guys do to maintain um, tracking. One works if you've got like a public works area that's completely fenced in and it's late and nobody else is there. So when we do door popper exercises, I teach the dogs to go find the handler. Mm-hmm. Uh, first thing, like don't bite the first thing that comes out of the, you come to like, so um, some of our guys will lay a track where they can see the dog and they're within sight of the, or within radio of the uh, car. So the popper works, they'll hit the popper, the dog will hop out and look for the debt handler and then immediately start looking for him, start tracking. Mm-hmm. So he tracks up to you, you play tug and you do some obedience, you let him go to the bathroom. Um, another one, there is a, uh, a place that's kind of close to us in Tulsa that has a, um, they have shift work. So they have three shifts that rotate through. So people get out of shift at like two o'clock in the morning and they walk out to their cars and the parking lots and it's got multiple parking areas. Um, I have a friend that'll sit out there and work on paperwork and stuff and wait until somebody that's parked in an isolated area will um, come get to their car mm-hmm. and he knows like where the track starts and it's a varied terrain and they'll track a known track on, of an unknown person mm-hmm. with a known termination point that's gonna not gonna have anything and then they'll reward the dog once the dog gets, cause I want them to see what it looks like when the dog comes out of odor, like people get picked up by cars all the time, like yeah. especially if you're chasing somebody that's familiar with the area. Mm-hmm. And they'll do that four or five times a week. And those are phenomenally successful teams yeah. um, that do that stuff. Um, in fact, I talked to a kid from the New York State Police uh, that did the popper exercise. He has a huge Malinois that bites hard as shit. And he goes into this, like, it's like a, it's an area where they do like water treatment, mm-hmm. but there's nobody there at night. He's there like three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And the dog has the ability to track gravel and grass and asphalt. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of streams he can mm-hmm. hop through. And so, but that dog, he's been super successful on tracks and that's how he maintains it. So, yeah, no. And, and you're bringing up another point when we, uh, it's another kind of crossover between detection and tracking is your, your mixtures or variations. So in, in the detection world, it's, getting dogs used to the mixtures of odors because many times things are have all different kinds of cutting agents or mixtures or there's combinations of odors. Well, tracking is very similar. Get the dog used to the different surfaces. You know, if you're always on grass or always on dirt and then all of a sudden you've got to go through an, an area with asphalt or pavement or whatever, or it's more uh, urban setting, you, your dog's not going to be as proficient at that. So once you've got that foundation, varying it up, getting that dog used to the train feature changes and, and how to navigate that, how to problem solve how odor is different on one versus the other one. And of course, yeah, it's easy to go at, at night, go find early morning, go find that grass field where you can see your footsteps and do all this kind of tracking. But then you're uh, holding the dog back from getting used to understanding how odor is different on the other surfaces that they may face. Or like you brought up grass that's three feet high. You yeah. know, I, I can't tell you how many times, uh, in Florida, the guys I'd work with would be, you know, in the worst, crappiest, swampiest conditions, vines, you know, holding them back, and you know, I'm falling behind as best I can with them. It's a shit show trying to get through that some stuff, but the dog gets through it way easier than we do, and then we're holding the dog back. And if you haven't exposed a dog to how to navigate odor and all those things, and then deal with all the crap that we're doing to it, it's just going to end up being more problematic. So while they're on tracks, and again, this can go to either one of you guys. 
what are some things to do while you're on the track? I would say both keeping a tactical mindset as well as things you can do to help your dog out, uh, maybe slowing it down for a second. You know, there's a thing I'll cover in a second, but I want to hear you guys' point of view um, that helps you kind of regauge yourself and know what you're on, you know what you're doing. Um, you know, I call thing look, listen, and feel, but what, you know, go ahead, give me something that you guys do during that middle stage of that track. So, um, and here in a little bit, I'll go over a, uh, a thing that I kind of, I didn't, de- I guess I developed it, um, a track uh, when you're teaching young dogs how to track or new dogs how mm-hmm. to track. And it does, it does in and of itself, slow dogs down. Um, and, and here's the big important thing. Don't run. No running with tracking dogs. Mm-hmm. If your dog, oh, he, it's the only way he works. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. No running. Mm-hmm. You're going to blow turns. You're mm-hmm. going to blow. You, that dog will run your ass to Utah mm-hmm. if you let him. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just, just dig in. Know when he's tracking. Because mm-hmm. he, the dog's only doing one of three things. Tracking, looking for the track, or mm-hmm. fucking off. Mm-hmm. So you should know the difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when he's tracking, get in there. Um, let him do his thing. Uh, don't talk to him. That's a big thing. Look, listen, and feel. Yeah. Listen for that rub, that rustling. Mm-hmm. Know what the wind is doing. Mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you mm-hmm. I, anything more important than that, in my opinion, is understanding what the wind is going to do. If you're a trainer, set up tracks for your guys that aren't difficult, but maybe are a horseshoe mm-hmm. when the wind is going a specific yep. direction and yep. then ask them to tell you what they should see on the track, yep. what what it's going to look like. Is he going to cut this edge? Mm-hmm. This one is going to be a pretty... And make them 90-degree turns, mm-hmm. which nobody does, but yeah. make it 90-degree turns and then you tell me what to expect to see out of the dog mm-hmm. and then when they can relay that back to you, um, that makes it very strong for them. But one of the things I do when we're talking about uh, in the middle of the track type thing, like when we're doing training, um, everybody, you need to go back to basics often with tracking where you know the, where you know where the track is, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You, you definitely should be doing unknowns, but where you know where it is, and then work on your dog's parameters. Um, I, had, I had a guy one time say, I go, well, how'd that go? Because I was watching somebody else. He goes, well, he went, pissed, he went 30 feet over there, pissed on that. And I go, why did you let him? Yeah. You, you have a 30-foot leash. Awesome. You need to be mm-hmm. using long lines, guys. Mm-hmm. You cannot be tracking on 10 foot. No. That's just dumb. 30-foot <laughs> um, line. He doesn't need 30 feet. Mm-hmm. You know the track is right here. Yeah. The track is running from south to north. Why is he 30 feet off to the east when the wind isn't pushing it? It's not yeah. gale force winds. Yeah. So I tell people, every once in a while, go back to a straight track where, um, or e- even maybe an S-turn, and if that dog goes to pick his head up, ah, ah, Mm-hmm. track and it gets back good and then ah, ah, and i i like to try to keep them in the meat so to speak okay and if the if the track is going from south to north and the wind is blowing from left to right you should expect him to work from the middle over to the right mm-hmm. understand exactly where it's going don't he does not need if you run a straight track do not let your dog make 90 degree turns in the middle of the track mm-hmm. he's fucking off mm-hmm. you didn't go that way mm-hmm. So don't let him. So mm-hmm. those are a lot of things you got to dial that dog back in because the dog gets bad habits from you. Sure. What you allow him to get away with, I sure. should say. Sure. I was going to say that, but no, I guess I'll add something else. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as a handler, you know, we had Don Blair. We talked to Don Blair yesterday. That's the second time. The guy's a ninja. Um, so, you know, one of the things that he talked about was making sure that the handler and the dog have very clear roles in mm-hmm. what they're doing. So when we're tracking, like in detection work, 
if you're a narcotics handler, you know, or even explosives handler, you know, you're searching finite shapes. Mm -hmm. So the dog is used to running a line of cars and they're not finding fucking odor. Well, explosive dogs might, but mm -hmm. with the exception of route clearance dogs, mm -hmm. you know, you're finding them in these structures or in these things, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going shape to shape. In fact, my partner calls it when we move off of imprinting, we move into shapes, teaching mm -hmm. them, you know, where they're highly, most highly likely to be successful yeah. or highly productive areas or whatever. Tracking is no different. So as a handler, Eric said, you know, you want to make sure that you set the dog up for success. Know what the, know what the wind is doing. So as a handler, you're like, look. I'm here driving, I'm here making sure that I'm putting this dog in the correct spot where we're most likely to have the highest chance of success. So as we're moving through the track, through the middle portion of it, as a handler, I'm telling my guys, you need to constantly be evaluating. What information do you have? Are you chasing somebody you know? Are they from the area? Are they not from the area? If they're not from the area, they're more likely to bed down and wait mm -hmm. until you leave. If they are from the area, they're more likely to run as far and as fast as they can mm -hmm. to get as much distance between you as they can until somebody can pick them up, whether it's the old lady, whether it's a friend, mm -hmm. or, or and they're on their fucking cell phone. Yep. So you know, you're looking for the path of least resistance. So you want to trust the dog, but you also want to make sure that they're what you're seeing is what is should make sense to what you're doing. If you don't know who you're chasing or if you don't know what you're looking for, you're like, all right, you know, this doesn't make sense. If somebody has an option to take a super fast route or take a route that is not real, you know, they're hoping to hang you up and to, to cause you time. Mm -hmm. But and then at that point, too, noticing when the dog is giving you final indicators or proximity alerts or whatever it is and closing mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. But just like, you know, we were talking about at the beginning of this, like reading the dog is of the utmost importance. We need to know, like Eric said, when he's checking negatives where he's, we know he's not. Yeah. Constantly evaluating the terrain, constantly evaluating the environmental conditions and constantly evaluating what the dog is doing. If you're lucky enough to have backup with you, you need to be communicating with them. Mm -hmm. And I, and the one thing that I say in the HRD seminars all the time is you're a fucking canine handler, handle the dog. Mm -hmm. You're not a canine announcement maker. You're not a fucking shooter and a, I was like, if you've got guys there with lethal, let mm -hmm. them worry about that. You mm -hmm. run the line, you run the dog. Mm -hmm. And so you're constantly communicating. He's here, he's here, we're moving mm -hmm. this direction. Make sure everybody keep their eyes out. If you start getting final closing indicators, proximity, whatever everybody who wants to call it, yeah. then start giving announcements. Start having your guys give announcements. Once the dog hears that, mm -hmm. hopefully what we want is for somebody to either A, give up, mm -hmm. or B, make a mistake and break a stick or do something so that mm -hmm. we give the dog another data point and then it's fucking cowabunga time. But oh, yeah. setting the dog up for the highest likelihood of success in an area that's going to be successful is the handler's job. Dogs don't understand any of that shit. Mm -hmm. They just understand, I got to go find odor, go bite guy. Like, yeah. that's their job. Mm -hmm. And we can't find them. We can't bite them if we can't find them. But their job fundamentally is a location tool. So we teach yep. them to find shit and bite people. That's their job. Yep. And our job is to put them in an area where they're most likely to be successful. Yeah. No, and one of the things that uh, this was a really old salty canine guy uh, that I got to learn from. He was really, really good. And it was the area, uh, the city of Sanford and Sanford, Florida, the whole Trevon Martin area and all that Whoa. kind of stuff. Yeah. And he was a handler back in those days, back in the eighties and early nineties. And that guy was a busy canine handler, but he, he was actually a really good instructor and we became friends and I would follow him on, this is back, gosh, I think I was like, 18 so I'd be like a little track layer for those guys and then follow them on tracks and learn so I remember one time I was with him and he was doing a track and every so often depending on what's going on he down the dog he downs the dog and he kind of sits back and he's like he's like I'm gonna teach you something he goes here's what I do he's like I call it look listen and feel I know he's on the track but I'm gonna down him for a second he goes I want to 
look at him, see where his head's doing. I want to listen because this guy is probably could be hearing us coming and he might move. He doesn't hear me moving anymore. So as, as I stop, I'm listening to hear if I hear, like you said, bushes moving or something happened or a door closed or something going on. He goes in the last part, feel, I'm feeling the wind. He goes, and then right before I tell the dog to suk again, take off on his track, he goes, I'm looking at his, the, the ears and the, and the nose. And he goes, that dog will never lie to you. When I say track, his nose, will, he'll pick his head up and take off the direction that he's got the scent. He goes, so if I happen to be at the point when I downed him, maybe I, I could be a few feet past a turn. He goes, right when I tell him to track, he'll turn his head the direction he wants to go and off he goes. Because that, that stop that I gave that dog gives that dog a chance to even recalibrate itself. You know, because they get wound up and he goes, and he had some strong dogs. And he said, you know, this, that stop at that point in time just kind of recenters everything, kind of get back into your environment, pay attention to things, get your head back in the game. Because, like you said, some dogs will just take you going and going and going. Oh, yeah. And if you don't take that pregnant pause there and, and reevaluate what's going on for a second, you either walk up to your death or you lose an advantage that you could have had. So uh, that was something I never forgot, and I'd always pass that on. And, and like some of the things you brought up, and that's stuff you get from being out there as that cop, and and you know getting your ass handed to you sometimes, or missing stuff, or doing whatever. Because how many times have we been on tracks, and you pass within three feet of the person just because the wind just happened to change yeah. and done something different, and then all of a sudden the dog hooks back. I can't tell you how many times I've looked over and seen feet and been like, oh shit, uh, we're right there. We've yeah. had a couple. You know, and, and the dog's doing its thing because it's just following the odor at that time, but it's just not in their face where the, you know, so the dog will hook back. And a lot of times we talked about no matter what, the dog's always going to come in on the downwind side of that person. It's just how it's going to be. So if unfortunately things change, the environment's slightly different or whatever occurs, you got to be paying attention. You got to be looking, like you said, paying, you know, working that dog, but being cognizant of the things around you. So, yeah, that's the thing with there's a, I think there's a little bit of um, over reliance on proximity alerts mm -hmm. on tracking uh, for people that train a lot of proximity alerts. Um, if the if the dog is tracking and there's a decent wind at his back, he's going. He's not going to do it. Mm -hmm. He's he's not. He's you better be ready for him to head snap and turn around. Like, yeah, Shit. many times I've seen that. You know, yeah. but that's awesome. why you shouldn't be tracking up his ass. Mm -hmm. Give him some leash. Mm -hmm. And uh, so for that exact reason, mm -hmm. give yourself, I mean, 30 feet might not save your life, but it might. Sure. You never know. Yeah. Um, I mean, we had a, we had a, recently had a bite where uh, there's a tailwind and dog walked right up on him and was like, oh, what's up? Whack. And <laughs> I mean, the handler was like, I didn't even know he was there until dog was on him. So, but had a tailwind, strong tailwind. It's Oklahoma. The wind comes sweeping yeah. down the plains in the state song. So, right. uh, yeah. they were not. It's hot. Right. It's hot, wet. It's yeah. hot, windy, and flat. So, but yeah, I mean, that you're 100% right. I mean, the over reliance on that, I think um, there are certain situations where the, the dog doesn't have the, doesn't have the opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. The conditions don't warrant or don't allow it. Yeah. And, it's kind of like that that doesn't necessarily always have to be in the behavior chain for mm -hmm. it to be successful so yeah. yeah it is what it is i guess but yeah so how do you guys incorporate articles articles you know um obviously are things that we're going to encounter many times on a track because you know so many times you know in my experience they're they're ditching shit half the time anyway or it fell mm -hmm. off because they're the their panic of their run um so with that said, you know, we training usually incorporates articles. What do you guys do? do you know, discuss some of the tips that you guys have for article training. So I train in in Ohio. Articles is part of the patrol certification or mm -hmm. a special purpose, I think mm -hmm. it's called. And um, 
<clears throat> so what, what happened was we would do uh, our state certifications and articles is its own thing. Yep. But the state started allowing you to put articles on the track so you could okay. kill two birds with one stone. They didn't care. They, yeah. It was up to the evaluator. Yeah. We were doing it really for that reason, to speed up the, the process mm-hmm. um, of, of the articles. But what we noticed is, well, A, that's mostly what you're going to find mm-hmm. is, is going to be um, your shit that you lost, yeah. your partner's shit that he lost, <laughs> yeah. evidence, uh-huh. ski masks, yep. uh, you know, screwdriver, coach, all uh, kinds block, of shit. Yeah. But um, so we put the articles on the track to, A, get them used to finding this out in the mm-hmm. wild, so mm-hmm. to speak. But if you have a, um, a dog that really fucking, like you can barely keep up with them, Articles is a great way to slow him down. Mm-hmm. Put a bunch of them out. Sure. Track, track, yep. down. Yep. Track, track, down. Yep. And reward him on those with food. Yep. I was going to say, is, do you have food on the article or do you bring it up after the dog? I bring it up after. Okay. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll do it when I... Newer dog or something. It's an old school Schutzen thing. Yeah. You know, you put it up underneath it. I've yeah, done yeah, that yeah. before. Yeah. Um, but I, if you... And I used to pay all those with ball. Mm-hmm. Well, then you, get, you, get, you get it from them and they're <laughs> doomed out, man. Yeah. And so you're fake throwing it and you're yeah, hiding in your pocket yeah, like, and, no, no, the ball and they're like, yeah. and rip you off to uh-huh. the next one. So pay some food and off you go, track mm-hmm. whatever. Um, that's how we do our articles. I don't know about you, Ted. Uh, we do it that way too. Uh, I teach articles independently, but I yeah. will use articles um, during scenario-based training to manipulate drive state and to um, help the handlers get the dogs back under control. One of the favorite things that I do and to slow them down. So. Uh, tracking is kind of a mid-level, kind of like detection is kind of like a mid-level drive state thing. Building searches for a dual-purpose dog, definitely not a mid-level drive state no. thing. So we have a deal where we'll track to a house, we'll make an announcement, we'll do a building search, and how many of you have doing blank building searches and none of you are going to save me? <laughs> so the dog thinks he's going to nuke somebody, he goes in, there's nothing mm-hmm. in there. It comes to find out they have jumped out the window. Then you have to reacquire the track. I'll do articles at that point right there just to get the dog back under control and give him a second to kind of cap and burn off a little bit. So we reward with the ball, give the handler a second to get him back under control, then pick up the track again, go to an area search, maybe get a proximity alert, maybe do whatever. Um, But articles are a way that I use for skills transitions too. So we may do an area search that comes with a bite handler goes in then pulls the dog out then immediately has to go to an article recovery mm-hmm. and then to a detection problem and i give him three minutes to do it okay so you yep. i'm i use articles to manipulate drive state mm-hmm. um and the guys that are really good at it it shows like because yeah. they they know all the tricks to get the dog out of that and i always do the bite first for dual first dogs because clearly they're fucking assholes yeah and they're all they want to do is bite people <laughs> so um that's how we use it and it's such a for me, it helps reinforce, especially with young dogs, that I want you to find human odor. Um, Scott's big deal is multiple surfaces. So mm-hmm. we use plastic, metal, mm-hmm. um, wood, yep. leather, and he's got five, and something else, mm-hmm. he's gonna shoot me if he hears this. So there's a fifth odor, that, or a fifth um, article that Scott will do. Mm-hmm. And then some of the times, some of the stuff with the really advanced dogs I've done, um, discrimination, scent discrimination. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, five identical articles that I know are clean and one has odor on it and that's the one I want the dog to find. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we do that at, and I've done that and combined with some of the area searches. Isn't that a Mondial so. ring thing? Yeah. The they little, have that the, too. Yeah. Some of the different, actually, I think even, 
correct me, I could be wrong, but I know more than just one. I mean, Mondio, French, possibly, or, or NVBK, one of those other ones also has that identify the article yeah. based on the uh, initial one they were given, or the handler's voter. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, so one of the things you brought up a few minutes ago, Eric, was hot tracks. I, I had hot tracks and hot legs that we utilize. Uh, speak about that and, and the importance of having that hot track or hot leg in the track. Um, what do you mean? So like for, like for what we would do on what I call a hot track for us or a hot leg was the track was initially laid out to a certain point. Let's say person went out X amount of distance, made a turn and kind of bedded down. Mm -hmm. We start the track. They now know we start the track. They know we're closing in. They move and they okay. go to another gotcha. area because it, it's that whole predator, you know, prey type uh, activity where the prey knows it's, you know, we're getting close and they're trying to get away from you and they're making. But that what uh, I had seen quite often is with the uh, that hot leg, the dog's intensity kicks up because now the odor is fresher again or mm -hmm. stronger. And like you talked about, you'll see the changes in behavior that are similar to, oh, he's nearby, but maybe he's not. He was just, he sat here for 10 minutes in his move. So you get that circling, you get that, okay, he was right. here somewhere, but stuff that you, you guys do to do that. Yeah, it's, um, it, there's, you gotta, you gotta throw all kinds of variables. I used to have a guy that was in the training group that used to piss me off because he would chew and spit on his fucking tracks. <laughs> all the time, I, fucking spitting on the track uh -huh. and then one day i was like eh, that's not bad mm -hmm. it's a, it's okay and mm -hmm. i'll piss on tracks too. yeah so yeah i've done that too i've, yeah. I've stopped because i gotta pee because so. because that's what happens the, the the prey that are being chased can't help the physiological reaction of being mm -hmm. in panic mode makes you take a shit or piss on something and they and they will do that and i i've seen it personally on real stuff but that's a yeah right a natural reaction so it's funny because you mentioned about the uh walking back and mm -hmm. then boom Shit, over here. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually do that a couple times a year as a scenario. Mm -hmm. I wait. We send the, the guy off to lay the track. And when the handler takes off, we take another decoy and we mm -hmm. stick him in the, across the street in the wood line upwind. Mm -hmm. And then you got your toy. You're, you're fucking token and joking on the way yep. back. Whack, uh, hopefully oh, yeah. you see yeah. your dog go over there. Yeah. And what are you, you're going to pull him off more than mm -hmm. likely. Oh, yeah. Like, what is he doing? Um, but uh, on the opposite, and, and I'll... I'll have Ted talk about his hot tracks, but the mm -hmm. opposite of the hot track is what I work more on. Okay. Is we, he had to have gotten in a car. Had true. to have gotten into a car. <laughs> he had to have gotten into a car, uh -huh. which is probably true. True, yeah. So but, what? But mm -hmm. do you know when your dog is absolutely out of odor, when mm -hmm. there's nothing mm -hmm. for him to find? Mm -hmm. So what I'll do is I'll have the guy lay a track uh -huh. and then someone come and pick him up in a car. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's okay if the handler knows where it's at. Yeah. You tell me exactly the minute when you know. Give your dog a chance. Try mm -hmm. him across the street. Try yep. him over there. When can you tell for sure? Yep. And you're not guessing for sure when yep. he's out. And who was it from San Bernardino County that we talked to, this our lady? Uh, she's fucking awesome. Yeah. Shit. Um, what was her name? But she, I feel bad. Sorry if she's listening to her. I really apologize. But she, she made a good point too. We've been and drinking. The, the, guy, the guy in uh, D.C. told me the same thing. Mm -hmm. Teach a behavior to your dog, if you want, mm -hmm. to tell you when he's out of odor. Yeah. He used to teach his bloodhound to come and jump on him. Okay. And I'm like, I don't know. I, that can be slippery slope. It depends sure. on yeah. what the reward for the dog is, mm -hmm. if there is any. Mm -hmm. If you're like, ooh, 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 ooh and mm -hmm. pet him all up, he's yeah. going to just start doing that. Sure. Um, but you got to know for sure when your dog is out of mm -hmm. odor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, for hot tracks for us, I, I kind of look at it as, you know, when we start out, 
um, the tracks are hot. Like everybody knows where everything's at. We know where the handler's at. So just like in detection work, um, I manipulate odor thresholds to increase difficulty and then time. So everyone knows as we age tracks, they get more difficult because odor dissipates. So if you look at a track, like the most difficult one would be a tailwind, hard surfaced, age for several hours, hot as shit, and I run. Mm-hmm. Right? So yep. versus walking into... I dare you. How about well, that? Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> Come to Vegas. Uh, well, I'm not going to fucking run across... Yeah, run, run across a blacktop at 110 degrees. Yes. Yeah. No, it sucks. People will do it, though. Yep. Uh, but, you know, and then the easiest version of that is the opposite of that. So it's where there's no turns, there's nothing. Like, I'm not trying to evade. I'm not trying to do anything. Um so I use them to reinforce, like Eric said, go back to basics and reinforce good behaviors. Um, and, and I do the same thing with detection work and in building searches as well when I'm trying to teach handlers the difference because dogs will solicit in tracking too. Mm-hmm. They will solicit because they're looking for odor. They're trying or they're like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to give up because it's not here. So once we start getting into the aging is when stuff starts getting funky and that's when it starts really like so i use hot tracks to teach handlers like this is what it looks like Mm -hmm. just like we'll use a shitload of odor before i go to flow before i go to load or threshold stuff for detection stuff Mm -hmm. like where the dog i mean he's yanking your ass to the car and it's hitting him right in the face and i mean so it's painfully obvious you get a head snap you get the whole change of behavior ears come together mouth closes start sniffing tail wags the whole thing right so I use those to teach those to teach the handlers that too, because the dogs, by the time they show up with me, like they're doing you know an hour and twenty minute age tracks, and you know with crosswinds and surface changes. So they do a five minute age track with mm-hmm. one turn, and the handlers are like, "Oh, this is easy." I'm like, "Hold on, Turbo. Like, yeah. let's <coughs> let's wait a second. We'll we'll I'll show you something." Yeah. So, yeah. No, and, and you you both brought up an important thing, and I do the exact same thing with detection dogs is. When there's no odor present, can you read that? Because so often in detection work, we put hides out. And then right. handlers are good at reading their dog when they have odor, but so many struggle to, to read their dogs when there's no odor present. And the dogs tell you there, there is significant behavior cues that there's nothing here. I don't know what else to do. I'm going to keep going around this place. What do you want? And tracking is very similar. So... There's a funny thing that I that Scott did, Mr. Fucking Green Beret Ninja Guy. Um, so we were talking about the Nort test. Mm-hmm. And Scott was like, you want to see something funny? Watch this. So we had some dogs come in, and um, we set the paint cans up. For like three days, they were like sniffing paint cans, right? And they were always finding stuff in mm-hmm. paint cans. So we had four control pa- or six controlled paint cans, and we knew we were clean. Mm-hmm. And all I did was walk around holding a pen in my hand all day, mm-hmm. just rubbing it like I'm, you can't see what I'm doing right now. I'm mm-hmm. rubbing a pen. And I dropped this in a paint can, and the handlers were presenting. Mm-hmm. Every single, and I hadn't handled odor that day at all. Every single dog gave us kind of a soft alert and changed behavior on uh-huh. that because it was anomalous and it wasn't target odor. But yeah. the handlers were like, oh, you must have touched odor. I was like, nope, been walking around mm-hmm. my handsome pockets uh-huh. all day. So... You know, it's very much one of those, like, when he's not in odor. And the dog also thinks that there should be something there. He's like, well, shit, there's six cans, and this one's got something that's different, so I'm going to go with that. And, and they don't know how to be right. At that point, there's no odor there. They don't know how to be right. They don't know what to do unless you prepare them for that. Yep. So that's a big thing, and I'm glad because that's a big thing to bring up that doesn't get talked about enough. Right. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because uh, we, we uh, said a word earlier. Do you guys um, use one command for everything nose related? 
If it's souk, is it souk for tracking? Is it souk for finding the man? Is it souk for finding dope? Yeah, no, and that's a that's a great question. No, and most of the, everything I've always taught, I have a separate whatever task. So, if the handler had chosen souk for detection, then that's what souk was, and then track would be something else. It would be track or find the man or whatever they chose to do, because we already know uh, through behavioral science stuff and dog and cognition the stuff I'm doing now making associations to a task is highly important you know and sometimes maybe the association is something physical so in, in tracking dogs some people put a harness on every time so then that that ritual signals the dog hey this is what's going on it's the whole condition stimulus condition response that whole kind of thing so whether it be uh, a word or an action, uh, something generally signifies, especially dogs that are dual purpose, they have all these different tasks they have to do, uh, it helps. Now, obviously some dogs are very smart and can figure it out contextually. When they get out of the car, you're out in the field or whatever, they start automatically, like we start looking from the ground, you know, is there a track, are we tracking right now? What's going on? Other dogs, if you got, you got the lights on, they got the car in front of you, they're already dragging you up towards the car because they know it's, it's time to go search that car. Um, so no, it, I think it's 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 extremely important for uh, teams to create either a ritual or a you know controlled stimulus. So that way, the dog knows, it gives them the best. Especially those newer dogs just starting off, because we already know the veteran dogs. After a while, they they know what the gig is based on what we do. Um, but in general, uh, by creating that, that helps. The but it's again, it goes at the same time. Uh, I we don't give enough credit to the dog on how well it learns and makes an inference out of things. And having that inference, you know, uh, you can get out of the dog out of the car sometimes, not even say a word, and they'll, if there's a track there, they just start going. They, they can figure it out without those things. Uh, but the, the part that I look at and, and get handlers to understand is it's more or less for them and then their routine to sometimes it's to slow things down too because one of the best lessons i learned from one of the veteran guys in florida was there to be a hot call and, and all the handlers would take off and my friend hank is here from orlando and, and it was with one of his old senior guys and we're all trained to do whatever and a, a good call comes out and three or four people just pew, 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 take off to go to the call and this old guy is sitting there and he sits back listens to the radio listens to the radio and i'm like oh you're not you're not going to the call he goes Oh, I will. Once it gets to a certain point. And he's like, I'm going to let all those guys expend all that energy in the beginning because it always changes. He goes, by the time they get there, three other things have already happened and they don't know it yet. So he let it kind of transpire. And then he gets his car and he drives off. So I'm sitting there with another guy who's not doing it. And he's hanging out with me. We listen to the radio. We hear his call sign, Kilo 92. He, he gets out there. I mean, within five minutes of him saying he's on scene, clear traffic contact. Yeah. That calm, and we're like, he he got the guy, and then you hear the other handler, Kilo ninety six, Kilo ninety two. Where are you at? Nothing. He's like, go ahead, roll rescue. We got this. Oh, I'm about, uh, you know, however far it was yeah. south of where he was at. Uh, I'm I'm tracking towards your location right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it was just he was smart enough to kind of let things transpire, things happen, develop, and then he went into an area put his dog on the ground and within no time at all had him because he he had his ritual, he has routine, but he knew what he was doing and he didn't get so, you know, gung-ho and, and slow, not slow himself down. 
that he was able to work it out without any extra being panicked or adrenaline dump and all that stuff and forget his basics. He just let everything happen, got his hooked his stuff up, and off he went, and his dog made the apprehension, and he come back all chill. And the, other, the younger hand was like, damn it, man, what the hell? Why didn't you even call her? He's like, well, I was letting you track. You know, I yeah. let you do your thing, you know. Um, <laughs> but, of course, <laughs> that panic, let it, if he had let it slow down, he could have had a better opportunity and, and, and worked smarter, not harder, at the end of the day on that one. God. So, turns. I'll, I'll, I'll hit that before we get to the last spot. The last spot here, with turns, uh, that's a. Con- there's a lot of things that that people deal with um, when they are uh, trying to navigate that that aspect of, of, of training. What are what are some of the things that you guys do when it comes to turns that uh, can be a helpful hint for somebody? Turns. When I start out, I make it super obvious. Um, so, like you said a minute ago, uh, oh yeah, what is that? Sorry, Ted Dawes just walked in. Um, so famous Ted. Uh, you know, I'll make it super obvious. So, like Eric was saying, um, I don't ever usually do 90s. I'll start like a 45. But mm-hmm. you talked a minute ago about stopping, mm-hmm. and um, like I'll stop and stand there, and I'll like disturb the ground a little bit if I have to, and I'll wait. I'll count to 30. You know, I may actually take, give the dog a little bit of a chance. This is like very beginning stages. Um, I may even spit and step in it and drag my foot a little bit and mm-hmm. then take off in the other direction. So what I want the dog to do is learn to start checking negatives. So when he goes, if he continues on, it's like shit. And then he'll go out and circle back around and pick it back up mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> rather than trying to immediately. And a lot of times what I'll see is though when I start making sharper and sharper turns, the dogs will immediately go out, and especially if it's one of the dogs that we raised on the puppy box thing, then they'll hit that edge and and they'll immediately start looking because it it doesn't make sense for it to terminate there like it does on a road or whatever else. Um, When we do turns on hard surfaces, I do what Eric does um, where uh, I'll find a depression in the concrete, I'll find a manhole, I'll find something Mm -hmm. that will hold more odor, um, whether it's a curve, something that is either out of the wind or out of the heat if I can and do a turn there so Mm -hmm. that they have a chance to have some pooling but i'll I'll just create a pool more than anything else so big hot spot to then make to make it like a separate leg of the entire track so you're kind of connecting the dots yeah so i'll talk about when i start turns i i i'll start doing you know everything straight line then i'll start doing like an s pattern kind of but um when i'm teaching the dogs turns per se i i kind of make it not hard to where we follow a curb line like mm-hmm. on the grass around yep. a corner a curb line because mm-hmm. some of them will still try to go straight yeah and then um i i let them know it's okay to to actually deviate and go this way and that way and inside mm-hmm. fence lines and things yeah. like that um that, that's pretty much how I, I teach the turns and then after that it's it's just all wind yeah you know yep how the wind goes. the train features like you just brought up that help the so now we've done we've done the beginning the middle and now the end when we come to the end what do you guys uh there's different philosophies out there when it comes to you know a track should always end in a bite or a track should be toy only or food what what's your guys experience and what's your guys take on you know how to maximize your training when it comes to the end of the track so with with new dogs i start with food um or a ball uh, depending some dogs don't like to eat and I'll kind of make them hungry and make them track for food. And they'll track at the end of it. Uh, with puppies, when I'm doing this uh, with my, if you're 
we have one of the things on our Patreon page where I, I did my imprinting of one of my puppies, my, my current puppy I have now, Hype, uh, on this way. I just make her track me in the backyard and I hide her food. But I know where the wind's coming and everything else, and she'll go out and she'll run. She'll look for where I can't because I have two doors in my backyard, and she'll run to the other door because she knows where I come out. And she'll track me all the way and go straight up to her food. And so I haven't really done a lot with her. And then when I started, like, dedicated tracking, she Mm -hmm. picked up, I mean, within one or two sessions, I mean, she was ripping. So um, at the end, like, I'll hide food. Uh, For patrol dogs, I'll hide balls. and tell and this is the whole thing about the proximity alert versus the not Mm -hmm. um there's such a huge reliance on that and eric said it best earlier and you said it too like what does it look like when the dog is not in that odor yeah so i teach the tracking separate of that proximity alert or final Mm -hmm. indicator whatever everybody's going to call it these days Mm -hmm. um and i teach that a whole separate way at a separate time and it's a completely different behavior mm-hmm. because it's 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 effectively a reaction to threshold, mm-hmm. to odor, to amount of odor. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I need the dog, and you know, aside from the, the complications that are coming with the dog that always gets a bite at the end of her track, and if you don't get that, then he wants to nuke everybody there. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll end it in patrol school um, when the handlers are good at tracking. Mm-hmm. Towards the end, we and at the beginning, we'll do area searches independent of tracking. Mm-hmm. But when I start teaching them closing indicators and proximity alerts is when I start hiding guys out there, and that's what I use it for. Other than that, I can teach them everything they need to know with a ball out there. Mm -hmm. I can teach them handling. I can teach them checking negatives. I can teach them surface transitions. I can teach them everything I need to without having the dog in such a high state that he thinks he's going to get a fucking bite all the time. So, And they get to see what it looks like when there's not anything out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I, um, I train bite work separately. I yep. only do, and I'm telling you, my guys have more tracks with bites than almost probably almost every unit in the country. Um, and we do not bite on tracking and training mm-hmm. twice a year, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's usually so that we can do a skills transition. Okay. We set them up to do the bite work. Um, I've had people say, well, you have to do a bite at the end or your dog will not bite on a track. No, that's fucking stupid. Wrong. No, that, that is 100% say that, you're wrong. wrong. Mm-hmm. Fight me. Right, yeah, you're incorrect. <laughs> what you will do if you do bites on every track is you will create a dog who is not tracking and barely trailing using his eyes, yeah. eyes, yeah. eyes, eyes. It goes predation really fast. Yes. Oh, yeah track to a toy mm-hmm. i know there's there's other trainers that don't believe it i'm telling you you mm-hmm. don't have the data to back up your statements mm-hmm. we do anecdotes are not data by right. the way we get a ton <laughs> of bites on tracks so and do don't mm-hmm. bite on, at training mm-hmm. on tracks mm-hmm. yep yeah I mean. in, in many of the units i've worked with and when i was in texas with the unit i had um you know our training you know like you said most of it ended with a reward system, toy, food, whatever we, we were doing. And then occasionally, like you said, very rarely, but we'd have a, a contact bite depending on what was going on. And that created balance versus going too far one way or the other. Uh, because again, as we all know, some of these dogs are different and some of these agencies, you know, depending on where you're at, you, they don't even, they didn't get to pick the dog. They just got, no. here's your dog and here's your, what yeah. you got. And then as a trainer, you're looking at it going, okay, well, we need to do this to help that dog out. So you have to be flexible. There was an old saying a, a, a German trainer said to me one time, he goes, all right, Cameron, I can give you five dogs. 
If you train one way, you get five different results. If you're flexible and you train each dog separately, you get one result, the one result you wanted. Mm -hmm. So be flexible in what you're training to that dog versus being one way because those five dogs are different and you'll oh, end yeah. up with five different results. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, no, I, I appreciate this good conversation. We, you know, we guys don't get to see each other too often right. except for conferences like this. Um, and we'll have to do another mashup episode at some point. The, uh, uh, but I appreciate your guys' time talking about tracking. Again, this was actually a topic, like I said at the beginning of the show, that I haven't covered so far. I've been into more in the weeds on the science mm -hmm. and, and psychology stuff with detection dogs. But uh, so with that said, you know, other than the Working Dog Radio, and if you guys aren't listening to Working Dog Radio, add that to your list of podcasts. Um, how, like you said in the show, you mentioned where you guys are at. What's an easy way for people to to get a hold of you, or they want to ask questions to you guys? How? Do, what's the easy way for for Eric for you, and then Ted for you? Uh, Van S K nine on Instagram, V A N E S S letter K number nine on Instagram. Uh, that's a very easy way. Message I answer every single message. My OCD. He's actually OCD about yeah, it. Yeah, my OCD does not allow me to not answer your message. Story. He can't <laughs> handle the little blue dot being there. I yeah, can't, I, can't, I can't take I, it. I do kind of know that feeling. It's such a brilliant idea for that stupid number. Psychology, on damn it! Right. I, on the other hand, <laughs> yeah. No, easiest way for me is either uh, email through Torchlight or Working Dog Radio. So it's Torchlight K nine letter K number nine. Uh, info at, and then uh, info at ho or host at Working Dog Radio is the one for the Working Dog side on Instagram. Uh, Ted underscore Summers and then host at what is it? No, I'm sorry, it's Working underscore Dog underscore Radio. Alicia's gonna fucking kill me. Mm -hmm. uh, and Alicia <laughs> posts all the stuff. We do contests on there. We give stuff away. Um, yeah. Same thing on Facebook. Both of them are on there too. So Torchlight and uh, WDR plus HRD too. Um, I don't run that one. Ray does, but that's got a lot of content too from some of the stuff that we do. But yeah. Yeah. So, HRT Police K9. Yep. Well, I appreciate the listeners. If you guys have questions you want to send to me, do so at Ford at SilverStateK, the number 9.com, F O R D at SilverStateK9.com. And until the ne next episode, I'll catch you there. You got your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, .blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.